So, I haven't been updating the podcast, primarily because I was struggling with a really dense academic essay that I was writing, and it was draining me emotionally and physically. Uh, I finished the essay two days ago, and kind of just took two days off from school. Uh, I still have one more final essay to write, but I'm just giving myself the time to kind of reconnect myself to what's been happening and what's been unfolding in front of the world. You know, I was uh, I was writing my essay on white vegan advocacy and how ultimately uh, white vegan food was fusion templates. Uh, I used the example of Pokeball, how they utilized taste politics, uh, favored flavors that uh, into a more palatable Americanized meal emphasizing on sweet over sour, frozen over uh, fermented. And by making like fusional food pan-Asian, by making a Hawaiian dish fusionally pan-Asian, it obscures the ongoing colonial project in Hawaii where Asian settlers are complicit. And As I was writing about the genealogy of liberalism, the genealogy of white veganism, and how while these practices are well-intentioned from a moralistic standpoint and attributing partial personhood to animals, it renders racialized bodies as lesser than human for the sake of empire expansion. And while liberalism provided vocabularies for anti-oppression, equality and so-called civility, these rights are reserved for white European men. And as I was writing about empires and this is like sustaining and expanding empires, I cannot help but think what's been happening in Palestine, not just in Gaza, not just from October, not just since October, but the settler colonial project called Zionism, and how it uses similar tactics to dehumanize Palestinians for the sake of empire expansion. While the ideology of Zionism hijacks Judaism, you know, a 75-year-old nation-state, the pattern of imperialism remains in settler colonial nation-states. The systemic dehumanization of Arab brown, and black men throughout history has contributed to genocides, killings, unlawful arrests, incarceration, and lynching, establishment of police force, uh, and protection of private properties, etc., etc. And all of the factors, all of these factors just, just stem together. It is hard not to be angry. It is hard not to be infuriated. The accusations of rape, it's just like what the KKKs did to justify lynching of black men. It's working again to systemically dehumanize Palestinians, Muslims, and dark-skinned men as dangerous, inferiors that they need to be managed and they deserve to be colonized and violated because of how inferior they are. This is a textbook example of colonialism and orientalism and 
all of these ultra-nationalist, white supremacist narratives all eventually contribute to fascism. Stripping men and boys naked, ordering them to, like, fake, like, to make fake surrender clips to post them on social media to, to say we've captured, captured the, like, the terrorist. This is, this, this is sexual violence. You know, you're seeing these, I don't know, so-called mental health advocates who are deeply rooted in their colonial thinkings. Uh, I just, I just can't help but wonder when people are saying, oh, men's mental health matter too. Which, which man are you referring to? Which man are you referring to? Definitely not a Palestinian man. You know, because like the indifference, the arrogance, and shamelessness of conducting such violence to a degree where the dehumanization just becomes defaulted. <laughs> I just cannot imagine any other emotion rather than anger. And I'm just talking about men here, not even to mention the violence, sexual violence uh, in uh, to enacted upon Palestinian women and children and what they have to go through. And what the media or even... Uh, I'm like losing my words here. I'm so sorry. But if you look at how media decides to portray this perfect victimhood for Palestinians uh, to depict that uh, only the women and the children are worth saving... I think that's a really, really dangerous and dehumanizing rhetoric because men, too, are victims of patriarchy, you know? Uh, I think because of media, like film and TVs, that violence has kind of become like a daily routine. They've become so desensitized. It's like a display of social spectacles that amuse people who live in empires, who live in colonial empires. And now you can, you know, like you can use allegations of burning babies with AI generation tools. Like now it's just worse. You know, it's becoming easier and easier to dehumanize racialized populations more than ever. So... I'm making po- so I'm making this podcast today, primarily because I watched uh, Israel Israelism, uh, the documentary. Uh, it was released February, I think, this year, and the documentary is basically about, you know, talking about the uh, Jewish American's obsession with Israel, and by extension, just North American Jews in general, and how they're suffering have been translated or imposed into indoctrination tools to quote-unquote educate younger generations. And I was especially shocked when an interviewee said uh, that she went to a high school and there was a course on anti-defamation for Israel. The course would introduce things like, uh, well, if someone in your university said, uh, Israel is an apartheid. This is how you should respond to keep, keep a good image of Israel. Now, this shocked me. 
And this is not the only thing that shocked me. I was kind of amazed to see perspectives coming from anti-Zionist Jews in general. Because for my undergrad experience in Kingston, Ontario, uh, Queen's uh, was particularly a Zionist institution where I had... It was also a place where I had a lot of friends who are anti-Zionist and do not wish that they're, they get entangled with Israel. But their spaces to express their Jewishness is very limited in terms of community and community-wise. Like, this is pretty fucking sad, you know? I person like I personally related this feeling because most Chinese student associations they present what they position themselves as neutral and welcoming or whatever, but you know that's like bullshit because they're all pro CCP. And some are even like directly correlated to the Chinese consulate. <laughs> and that just makes me so sick, you know? I can't believe I have to reposition myself politically in exchange of a superficial community. And I craved, I craved for fellow anarchists and queer Asian friends when I was in, like, when I just got into university. And, you know, I, I just simply, I just didn't want to be pro-CCP for the sake of friends. That I just feels so stupid. It feels like my identity has been hijacked. And this also ties back to the education that I received. Um, You know, how being Chinese is analogical to the Communist Party. First of all, that's ahistorical. There are, if not, millions of Chinese in diaspora. And you're telling me somehow they're lesser than the real authentic Chinese? Like, that's bullshit, right? Like, obviously, this is not a good analogy because these are very, very two different nation-states with very different histories. But I'm drawing my experiences here and my interactions, my encounters. And I don't know. You, you know, there's a reason why. There's a, there's a reason why that China, the U.S., and Israel are the three most hated nation-states on Earth. And I... I honestly don't blame. I honestly don't blame anyone for this poll. Anyways, I think I really, really went off topic, but I really just want to talk about the like the documentary. You know, um, I was gonna talk about anger versus despair. So in times like this, where we're seeing a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of fatigue, a lot of anger, I really want to come out and say that being angry is nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, I think the expectation of being positive all the time, even in the times of atrocities, is really inhumane. You you cannot separate anger from other emotions that are normal reactions to atrocities and horror. Anger Yes, anger can be manipulated and redirected, and a lot of institutions and legislative governments manipulate anger in their favor. But that doesn't mean anger is, is not an organic reaction. People have the rights to be angry at wrongdoings and being lied to. You know, during my undergrad times, 
when I gradually realized that a lot of things I knew about China were lies, I was extremely angry. <laughs> I was extremely angry at the education I received, but also angry at myself for being deceived to propagandas. And I had to do my own research, read books, uh, read books that were banned. And it wasn't like devastating to know the truth. You know, it was rather refreshing and liberating. It was like unfolding and crossing through a mist. Anger, in this case, was productive for me because it forced me to learn how to fight false conceptions, to organize, and scream from the top of my lungs that I don't want to be lied anymore. And I think anyone who went through the same progress or what progress, whatever, uh, who went through the same thing, who went through the same propaganda, would feel the same about quote unquote education and how it was used as thought control. Despair, on the other hand, is cultivated, managed, and stipulated. Despair is easy. Despair is convenient for the ruling class. Despair works for the ruling class. Analogically, with nihilism, despair works analogically with nihilism. It leads to no directions. You're just beat. And I don't blame you because I understand that the the feeling. I understand the feeling of going through depression, fatigue. I understand having no motivation to even feel angry. I understand the fatigue of even being emotional, but I also understand from a personal level that despair offers nothing but despair itself. Despair is taught and internalized by empires to enforce and propagate slave morality, so people will follow whatever whoever is in control. And I am not advocating for like a universal optimism. I think that's just a myth. Asking for optimism in the midst of atrocities is, frankly, unrealistic, and elitist. Then, then what now? You know, you you can't be unmotivated. You can't be happy. You can't be optimistic. I suppose you can be angry. I mean that as you shouldn't suppress anger as one of your organic reactions, and I'm always I've always resented the idea of being angry and aggressive, because I grew up in fights and aggressiveness in my in 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 my family,、uh, but this is not the anger I'm talking about. This is not anger. This is annoyance and displeasure. And profound sadness and helplessness I feel in these fights. These were despair. These were feelings of despair. My reaction to these fights, however, they were stemmed from anger. I was angry at my parents by I was angry at parental figures who were supposed to take care of me and didn't. I was angry, and it helped me to recognize my feelings and my needs. Instead of considering them as inferior or they don't even matter, I think now more than ever it is a crucial moment to redirect the 
overstimulated, emotionally overwhelmed, subject to direct actions, you know, boycotts, protest, learn, listen to Palestinian voices, stop the McCarthyism on campuses, institutions, and workplaces, and do not engage with those who make you angry. Do not engage with counter-protesters. I want to stress that humans do not share the same pain. And I can tell you one thing, one thing to fight the spirit, that empires never last forever. No empire lasts forever. The old imperialist nations and colonizers, while they shaped the geopolitical landscape of the world forever and establishing intimacies, quote-unquote intimacies, between four continents, they are dying. You know, they are dying. Dictators that once feel so evil, eras that felt so unbearable, they will eventually pass. So don't worry about what will happen next. Don't worry about what will happen. Make it happen. Despair does not initiate change. Find your community. Connect your soul. Ground your spirit. Allow yourself to be angry. Be angry. Be angry at being brainwashed by institutions. Be angry that these very institutions are still controlling the thoughts of youth. And they bring that shit to adulthood, you know? Be angry that your friends are not speaking out about what's happening. Be angry. And angry can be used as a tool for organization. While despair is a state of mind. It's a state of mind that traps you infinitely. I also want to bring the idea of becoming into the discussion Becoming is a process. Uh, It is perpetually shifting and growing. And in this process, we do not aim for an endpoint, or rather we do not have an endpoint. We don't just exist as automized units. We interact with other bodies, move to new places, meet new people, grow, and we move on. And every bit of feeling is real and needs not to be hidden or sugar-coated. We are not just born as humans. We're not born this way. We're shaped, socialized into where we are right now. And I also want to emphasize that the idea, the fundamental liberal idea of human and personhood are attributed differently across colonized and racialized bodies. So in the imagination of the ruling class, some people are more human than others. And you can see that from what is, what is happening right now with the ongoing project of dehumanized Palestinians. Always, you know, this is why I'm suggesting that we need to become humans. We need to become the becoming. We need to always give people space to grow while remaining angry at injustices. We have to move. We have to be mobile. We have to be flexible. And, yeah, I don't know. I want to end this podcast with a quote uh, from Charlie Chaplin in The Great Dictator. 
if you haven't seen the movie, I highly suggest that you do. Um, I think more than ever, this film is quite relevant. So I'm just going to end with a quote. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be an emperor. That is not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anymore. I, w- I should like to help everyone, if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one, one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there is room for everyone. And the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Machineries that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed. The bitterness of man who fear the way of human progress. The hate of man will pass and dictators die. And the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourself to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like a kettle, use you as a cannon folder. Don't give yourselves to these machine men, unnatural men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle. You're a man. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnaturals. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery. Fight for liberty. So, I would want to contextualize this quote more. But, there you go. Have a nice day, everyone. And hopefully, I will see you next time.